0: You're not alone. Every entrepreneur feels really lonely in their journey. I never imagined myself reaching this far. Our vision is to change 1 million lives, give them clean water access in the next 10 years.
1: I didn't have a way of thinking, right, well, this is not going to work, I'm going to go back, because I had a one-way ticket. I had to make it work.
0: And they go, we can't give you a job in anything because you're a migrant. 36% of Australian startups are run by micropreneurs. There's greatness in every single one of us to want to do more, to do better. The greatness is because of the people you want to make a difference for. From Catalyzer, this is Micropreneur Stories, a show about migrant entrepreneurs who have found success in Australia and the stories behind the startups they built.
2: Thank you very much for joining us today and welcome to the Catalyzer podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm here with Viv and our very special guest today, Desh Amilla. Desh is an entrepreneur, entertainer and educator who is on a mission to educate, entertain and enhance the lives of those he connects with. He spearheaded the events, hip hop and entertainment industries, founded two charities and launched one of Australia's most influential events companies, Think Inc. And more recently, in 2018, this is 42. Over his career, he's been responsible for hosting world-class events with internationally recognized educators, thought leaders, and scientists, such as Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, Dr. Jane Goodall, Dr. Brian Green, just to name a few. Most recently, he produced and co-directed the documentary film, Islam and the Future of Tolerance, which will be coming, which is out right now on all digital platforms. Dash. Thank you so much for joining
1: us. Thank you for that wonderful uh, introduction.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for achieving so much so that
1: that was possible.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't think you've done enough in your life, let's be honest. No, tell us, uh, tell us, um, how's your day? How are you going?
1: <laughs> uh, it's been a long day, uh, but it's been a fulfilling day. It's good. been a day of creation. So okay. you got me on a good day.
2: That's lucky. <laughs> uh, we to see
0: you. We all feel yeah. so blessed.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: So very good. Um, yeah. So, tell us, Dish. Where where did you grow up, and when did you come to
1: Australia? Uh, I grew up in a place called uh, Badulla mm-hmm. uh, in Sri Lanka, in the hill country. Um, and I got a scholarship, uh, which then gave me the opportunity to go to Colombo. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know Sri Lanka, most mm-hmm. people seem to know Colombo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there, um, I finished my high school and got very lucky and came to australia in 2000. 2000 yes how old were you when you
2: came here
1: 19. young super young yeah i came here as a teenager so my entire life i've lived in australia wonderful and what were your first impressions like how did you find so for me um it was uh, quite challenging because I've never been on a plane let alone been in another country and, mm. uh, and the West is is something that I've only seen on television ads for me New Zealand was Anchor, the milk company Australia was uh, Vegemite that, that was like you know uh, the competitor for Marmite mm. that's all I knew and I knew that it was this strange place I've never been uh, you know to the country so when I came here the whole thing was Confusing because I thought I understood English. Then I came here and I had no idea what's going on (laughs) I couldn't speak English. I realized Mm. that because uh, over there I studied in Sinhala Which is my mother tongue Mm. and we had a subject called English and I tend to always get good marks Mm. But I realized I couldn't really speak the Mm. language. So Coming here was uh, first few years were probably the most challenging years of my life Mm.
2: Is there a particular moment where you realized this is just so hard like there was there like a language barrier
1: particular? yeah I mean it was uh, so for me when I was uh, in Sri Lanka you know studies wise I did okay I was mm. never the first in the class but I was in the top five mm. so you know I, I've never been in a place where you know education was like really challenging I knew what I had to do I remember going to my first lecture and not understanding a single thing the lecturer said and I realized i I didn't even have the language to ask the next person uh, or the social class for that matter to ask well, what's going on and I opened up my first tertiary book and I barely understood what was there you know one of the first things I did was get a dictionary but it was an English dictionary so I needed something to read that <laughs>
0: seems like a comedy there <laughs> yeah.
1: it was it was you know I, I I I was but from where I came from I didn't have a way of thinking Well, well this is not going to work I'm going to go back because you know uh, I had a one-way ticket more or less you know I had to make it work Mm. so you know from from the first three years of Australia was the hardest that I've ever had uh, you know in my life.
2: Mm. And how did you uh, kind of push past it? When was the moment where it started to get easier?
1: Uh, probably about two thousand and fourteen. Mm-hmm. So about fourteen years later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, right. That's when things started. I, I would say, you know, okay, now it makes sense of what I've been doing for the last fourteen.
0: Years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it took a
1: very long time, yeah. um, and again, one of the reasons for that is um, so my mum and dad. They're both school teachers. Um, government servants in Sri Lanka means uh, you know they're they're on what. They earn about hundred and fifty bucks a month, uh, two hundred bucks a month and um, so this whole uh, my idea of coming to Australia was a very very big mission it was mm-hmm. or you know, it was almost impossible so there wasn't I didn't have a backup once I made my mind up to come here uh, and they literally bought me a one- way ticket and gave me a small amount of money mm-hmm. to say, know well, well good luck this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I had no way of doing anything other than making it work mm-hmm. so yeah.
2: And you got into the music industry.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that was, a, that was an interesting turn of events. Because um, when I was in Sri Lanka, I was interested in radio. Mm. And I had an opportunity uh, in 2004 to help a mate of mine in Melbourne who hosted a radio show uh, on a station called SYN FM, S-Y-N.
2: I know SYN. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I was, I was,
1: you know, I was there at the relatively early stages of SYN FM. Okay. And I co-hosted the show and I enjoyed it so much. Uh, then I applied for my own show, which then eventually led to a successful show, then partially programming, program managing, uh, and creating a, you know, a Wednesday night, which was a hip-hop night, and then right. a Saturday night, which was sort of R&B night. So you know, I was there for a while, mm. and that's how I eventually got to the events industry. Right. Yeah. And you had the foresight to do a rave night and then it could have been yeah, basically, Was there a rave night. You know, they're just, they're, <laughs> I've been like I know we, we, we you mentioned you know, sort of you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson and some of the intellectuals, but mm. you know, I've worked with everyone from you know, proof of D twelve to Naughty by Nature to yeah. I've I've supported events that you know, Chris Brown and things like that. So, you know, and I've run underage events i've run nightclubs i've been really dabbling in that for many years before i sort of found my niche Mm. yeah absolutely i think one of the things that sort of unifies
0: micropreneurs when they come over which is migrants generally is the experience they have when they come to Australia and in particular there are some sticky social issues that could come up were there any that affected you as you were going through that 14 years of training yeah,
1: periods I had and to- how did you kind of push through them so so, so the, the the main challenges were my English mm. uh, because I couldn't necessarily and I was hosting a radio show with broken English and you know back then up until you know relatively recently you know Australian audiences aren't used to hearing somebody with an accent. Mm. Um, and because I learned English over here, my accent itself was a strange one. So people couldn't necessarily put me into a category because they don't see me, they just hear my voice. Mm. Um, but you know, this, the music I picked to play it was very contentious, purely because Aussie hip hop at one point was primarily just white rappers. Mm. And there was this movement called, you know, uh, Aussie hip hop had to sound like, you know, a certain way. So any anyone who rapped in sort of an American accent was shunned upon, and I didn't know that. So when I started my show, I used to play, you know, the Aussie, Aussie raps, you know, like Hilltop Woods' like, first album. Uh, at the same time, I would play rappers who sounded American and then i got a lot of hate and the hate was directed at my perceived race rather than what i was doing mm. you know i had right. when i was doing uh, radio i had a lot of racism I, I had no idea what i was getting at i even had death threats uh, you know because i hosted a show called 100 Percent oz which was just aussie hip-hop i was this weird accented guy who was into aussie hip-hop who was <laughs> playing you know this concoction of aussie hip-hop that pissed off a lot of people who were in their own camps. And they took onto forums back then, they sent text messages to the station, called the station. It was was fun time, Mm. but I just took it on the chin. I was like, you know, this is what you have to do if you need to get around. So, Yeah.
0: yeah. And do you feel that that initial shock of having to do something a bit more controversial has inspired you in your later ideas and the later things that you've done down the line?
1: I never thought of it that way, but uh, I think the idea, yeah, I think so. I think so because I, I've, I've, I've faced this kind of sort of opposition mm. and I've come out of it, you know, in my eyes without any major issues and sort of I would like the idea of pushing the boundary a little bit more. And uh, yeah, definitely.
0: Definitely.
2: Awesome. Speaking of pushing the boundaries, so you're obviously in the business of bringing together some big world leaders mm thought leaders Um, a lot of the time they have very polarized views you know like at the moment um, there's an event that's coming up very shortly with Roxane Gay and Christina Hoff Summers right Um, tell us a little bit about you know that bringing those two different people together and and tell us why that kind of thing might be considered a little controversial. Tell us
1: how you mixed oil and water
0: (laughs) and (laughs) somehow managed to make
1: gold. That's right. Well, I mean, it's like this. Um, uh, We live in a world that is, you know, people consume content through social media Mm -hmm. uh, and this is curated uh, social media uh, whether people like to admit it or not you're basically getting what you you, know, you you are cornered into an echo chamber which the byproduct of that is we are more and more tribal as as we you know move forward right so we feel like everyone in our circle agree with us but that's not the reality the reality is you know there are you know opposing views and when we see that what you see on social media people just attacking people right and we've kind of lost the art of conversation and in the last few years i've been very interested in figuring out a way how do we bring back proper conversation Mm -hmm. so uh in the light of the Me Too movement, uh, there were a range of incidents happening that confused me. And I was like, okay, so what is feminism? To a point where feminism, the term is used as an insult. I'm like, well, I like to call myself a feminist, but then it's also used as an insult. So I thought, rather than me trying to figure it out, let me ask some of the you know, leading feminists in the world. So I approached Roxane Gay and said, hey, um, you know, you have a certain point of view about feminism but so does Christina Hoff Summers but they don't seem to gel with each other I said I know you disagree fundamentally with each other but I realised you've never met each other and never had a conversation if I provide a platform would you do it? and they agreed so that's where it came from yeah wow
2: and what's been has there been like a a an incident and two guests that you brought together where things have become like so incredibly heated or has it always been quite contained?
1: Um, I think this event we might see, see look I have no intention of creating sort of like a, a CNN style like you know shouting match with two people mm-hmm. I'm that, that is not, I want to uh, create conversations that progress mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. Uh, you know the movie I made Islam and the Future of Tolerance mm-hmm. is about progression of conversation mm-hmm. um, but uh, there was an interview Roxanne recently did where she did call Kristinov as a white supremacist, um, which means that she holds relatively strong opinion. I am hoping on stage in a long format, they can potentially help us understand they have a lot more in common than sort of, you know, opposing views. So mm-hmm. I haven't had any major challenges just yet because m- most people, when we are one on one, we tend to be a lot more civil. Mm. When we are behind a screen or behind a wheel is when we kind of lose our humanity and we sort of otherize mm. a group of people and sort of... When we're anonymized. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly.
2: Well, you mentioned your film,
1: yes. Islam
2: and the Future of Tolerance. Tell us a bit more about it.
1: So, Islam and the Future of Tolerance uh, is um, really a, a movie about conversation. Uh, so, we, I picked a very simple subject, Islam. Islam. Um, it, obviously, it is, it is generally considered just just the virtue of geopolitical issues since 9-11. It is just, you know, people don't want to talk about it. But it has created an even bigger problem where people have hijacked the conversation. And especially on the right, the mm-hmm. far right, they've really hijacked that conversation. And to a point where you cannot even talk about this. And the left who are progressive and well-meaning have more and more gotten to the point we, we can't talk about this. You know, the, the moment you talk about it, you are labeled, you know. So uh, I, I, I managed to do a tour uh, with Sam Harris and we got to know Majid Nawaz. Uh, this ad, uh, Sam Harris is a world-famous uh, uh, author, neuroscientist and atheist, a very uh, vocal atheist, mm-hmm. uh, was part of the New Atheist Movement. And Majid Nawaz is an ex-Muslim extremist who went to jail for his activity. Um, He was a global leader of Hizb ut Tahir, which is a banned organization in many places. These two people met and clashed, but eventually figured out a way to have a conversation that progressed. Mm. And when I heard that story, I was like, this is amazing. How did you guys manage to do it? Let me document it. And that took us a little while, but we eventually managed to get the story, and that's what the movie's about.
2: Brilliant. And we can see that online at the moment.
1: Right now, it's available through. All the streaming platforms, mm. iTunes, Google Play, Vimeo, Xbox, PlayStation, whatever streaming platforms you have, yeah. it will eventually, probably by March, April, end up in a on a, on a platform, Netflix, Amazon, CNN Docs, or somewhere Great. that will sit there for a little while. Mm-hmm. But it is available right now. You can purchase it. this it platform near <laughs> you. <Yeah>, platform <laughs> near you. You know, <laughs> in <Yeah>. your pocket. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think it's so great that, you know, in all the work that you do, you're about, you know, people progressing conversations and moving past, um, you know, their, um, what divides them. Um, has that been sort of like a bit of a, a mantra for you in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so uh, I had to learn how to adapt, mm. uh, you know, I was in Melbourne for a while, mm. and then I had to come to Sydney, uh, you know, I was in different industries, I've, you know, wasn't necessarily my life mission per se, I've always had a soft spot for education, mm. but um, I personally had to really adapt. And I had to sort of work with people that I fundamentally disagree with. I realized after a certain point, the only way to progress is to have a conversation. Mm. Conversation is the key. And when I sort of worked that out, I wanted to do more things uh, to help people have better conversations. Help people to sort of, you know, understand each other. You know, like all all the the, the mention of the charity work you, you mentioned is, you know, Because I come from a place where, you know, for 28 years we had a civil war. Uh, You know, there's two groups fundamentally disagreed with each other and it led to a civil war. I've never known Mm -hmm. Sri Lanka outside of, you know, a country of war. So all the work that is done is, in the name of reconciliation, is letting people meet each other so they can have a communication and so they can move forward.
0: Mm That is incredible. The boy who can understand his first lecture is now quoted as saying, I'm just here to move conversations forward, you guys. <laughs> yeah.
2: If there was a gem of advice then you could leave for somebody who was like you when you were first got here when you were 19 years old, mm. what would you leave with
1: them with? This is something I've been thinking about a lot mm. is you know I actually want to do the reason that I am I'm here and and the things I'm doing right now is I want to be the voice the nineteen year old me didn't have mm. uh, because uh, it's very it's very confronting to come into a foreign country there every bit of customs and everything about that country is so different mm. but what I want to say really is uh, spend more time trying to understand you know try to understand where you are just invest that time to understand what makes this country uh, run like w- what, what do people do? Like, I initially, I didn't really watch Australian television or anything like that because it didn't make any sense to me. If I, you know, like I'm telling my old self is, you know, spend that time, read the Australian newspapers, uh, watch the television that makes no sense to you, but try to understand so you can understand why would somebody say a certain thing? Because mm. you might be like, that makes no sense. Why would you do that? But if you have an understanding where they're coming from, you know, that is one of the uh, things that i would definitely tell my old self mm. absolutely and yeah. then it helps you find a middle ground as yeah, well. Exactly. yeah exactly okay i think one for
0: fun one before we tidy up sure. um, <laughs> as a former radio host this is probably a very interesting question it's probably the question you've mulled over the sure, entirety sure. of your life <laughs> if you could take credit for a song which song would it be so you would you could take credit for any song right. it would be your song My song, it'd be your song, it'd just substitute in Tupac for your name, and that's it. That's that's you. (laughs) You don't have to change the actual song, it
1: doesn't have to be sung in your voice. Just right, if I were to take that's a wow, interesting question. Um, it's a tough one. Um,
0: um, is it the one you would have gotten hate mail for? So then you could say at least the hate mail is justified because it at least was my (laughs) song.
1: Uh, it's funny that you mentioned Tupac I- I'll tell you a song but I'll tell you something else uh, some of the hate mail I got was people who were really into sort of Australian sounding hip hop was in a forum somebody took a photo of Tupac put a turban on and put my name on it <laughs> and because they thought I was Indian and I remember call, you know they had like this is what Desh probably looks like I remember that so Tupac and I have an interesting history <laughs> yeah. in that sense <laughs>
2: I'm sorry to bring out those demons also. no but, but you mentioned too much
1: so uh, I, I would say um, i legit set my Facebook profile that would be amazing <laughs> uh, yeah um, I would probably say um <sighs>
0: <laughs> I usually find it's the first one that comes to your head. So if there's one that immediately popped into your head, like if it was Barbie Girl, then it's, wow. it's definitely yeah. Barbie Girl. That's yours though, isn't that's it? Yours, I mean, it is. That's yours. That's mine every yeah. day.
1: Um, <laughs> um, um, it, this has got to be an odd one. Um, Warrior, Warrior by Outlandish. Outlandish. Ooh, okay. You, yeah. Um, yeah, look it up. I will, I will, up. I will. A bit of context about the song though. Um, so, Outlandish is my, my favourite uh, music group. Uh, yeah. They're a Danish group made out of uh, uh, somebody with a Mexican heritage, an Afghan heritage uh, and a Pakistani heritage, but they are born and raised uh, in, in, a, in, a, in the West and they sing, rap in different languages. And that music spoke to me, and it's sort of hip-hop and R&B style. And this particular song is about, you know, we worry about so many things, but there's a warrior within us. You know, it's just a beautiful way of telling a story. Uh, That song generally speaks to me. Fantastic. You were expecting something <laughs> A lot more simple well, I, think. I, just wanted, I just wanted support for Barbie girls. I just wanted a plus one yeah, As I was talking I was like you know, I should have picked a simpler
0: song But No it's that's amazing I mean it's yeah. quite fitting That a micropreneur like yourself Chooses other micropreneurs As his inspiration
2: Absolutely Yeah it's, I think it's a really good Uh a symbol of how this conversation has made me feel. I've come away feeling, um, you know, incredibly inspired, and um, yeah. Thank and I thank you so much for sharing your stories with us today. Dad. Thank you
1: so much for inviting me. I feel privileged that you know you guys do. Oh, it's a pleasure. Anytime. To yeah. Great. Thank
2: you so much. Thank
1: you. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Thank you. Hey team, thanks for tuning in to that podcast. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Catalyzer. Catalyzer is a award-winning pre-accelerated program for refugees and migrants who wish to start off their own startup.
2: If you're interested in applying for the Catalyzer program, you can head to the website catalyzer.com.au find out a bit more about what we do. Thanks so much for tuning in.